No. Welcome back to New Shores Reload, part of your week where you listen to us talk. Still. Well, not all of y'all. Well, all of y'all watching this. We've lost which is only time. about eight of y'all. We've lost a... Oh. Sorry, Matt. Can't take your call right now. <laughs> a little busy. <laughs> Turn that on. Wow. Anyways. Well, anyway, anyways. Welcome to New Shores Reload. Hey, you don't have a hat this week. I don't. Uh, you might need one. I don't even know if I comb my hair this you morning. You might need one. You're having a bad hair day. Let's hope you didn't comb your hair, because if you did, you're having a bad hair day. So. Yeah, my wife's doing trainings in Houston, and she leaves early, so i got to take the kids to school and all that. Is that why you skipped out on the gym again? Absolutely. Hmm. Yep. I even got up this morning, and I was like, wow. No. Nah. No, nah, I'm going back to bed. No. Yeah, we, yeah, we can tell. Hey, I, I had... We can tell. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can tell. I just had a t-shirt and shorts on this morning. I was like, yeah, I better actually like put a polo on to go up and record the reload. Mm. I put pants on because I didn't want to wear my riding pants. So they can see on my motorcycle. So they can see. People can see the pants you're wearing. Well, yeah. yeah. You realize they can only see from like the table up. Yeah. Actually, not even the table. They can't even yeah. see the table. Like, so like, but I put my... Put pants on because I didn't want to have to put my riding pants on over my shorts. That is pretty funny when you ride up on the motorcycle to the gym and yeah. you've got you got to get undressed. Riding, in the parking lot, yes. basically. riding yeah. shorts and a big jacket on. It's like eighty-five degrees with a thousand percent humidity. Yep, that's pretty hilarious. Hey man, you dress for the slide, not the ride. All right. <laughs> wow, I, I wouldn't know because I don't ride a motorcycle. Yeah, well, you're missing out. Tried one time. That's a story for a different day. Yeah, I almost killed a little old lady walking down the street. But you she didn't. She was out for a safe, safe. But a little you stroll and that didn't go well. Yeah, my friend Brian, uh, he had let me borrow his motorcycle and taught me how to ride it, like in his driveway. You know, showed me what to do, and it just didn't translate. And uh, yeah, so he never offered to let me use his motorcycle <laughs> Try it again. again. Yeah, never once. Yeah, still hold that against him, but whatever. Is that Texarkana, Brian? That's Texarkana Brian. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. And he'll tell you a totally different story. He was embellish <laughs> that thing to the hilt. That's crazy. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, so welcome back. Hope you're having a good week. Um, BJ, give us a sermon recap. Yeah. Two sentences. Um, Let's hear it. <laughs> two sentences. All uh, six quarters in two sentences. Okay. Two sentences, yeah. You, you realize we've progressed from fifth quarter to sixth quarter now. We're in double overtime. Yep. Double overtime. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the sermon recap is pretty simple. Like, you were once in captivity. Now you're not in captivity. Why would you want to go back to captivity? Mm-hmm. That's probably the most concise Pretty sermon much, recap I've yeah. given in 16 episodes. Pretty close. Yeah. Was that two sentences, though? Or was it just one run-on sentence? It was one run-on sentence, okay. so it counts as one. Okay. Yeah. You we'll didn't get, say we'll I get, you We'll get Jamie to critique it later. You didn't say I couldn't do a run-on sentence. <laughs> you just said two sentences. Uh, so. I'll clarify next time. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so in your sermon, you mentioned the process of sanctification as, as coming along. And you kind of touched on a little bit about what that is. And I think a Did lot you of want times me to touch we, on it more? Because, I mean, we would have gone to seventh or eighth quarter <laughs> if I had touched on it more. Well, that's so, why we have reload. So next time I'll touch on it more. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. all or eight you can people just, that watch it. Yeah, can, yeah that's can, right. Uh, that's right. Anyway, so what is sanctification? It's one of those things that we, you know, because we've been in church world for a long time, we throw around kind of pretend like everybody knows it but not everybody really we really one, knows what it one is member who throws it around like all the time that's his favorite word yep. in fact i called him out on that 
I love yesterday. That. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yesterday and Sunday. And, yeah, and, and Sunday. Sunday. That's I right. Loved, I loved it. Yep. So you've got two different words you can talk about. The first one is justification. The second one is sanctification. Mm-hmm. And sanctification is what happens after justification. Right. Uh, justification is uh, simply your wrath, the wrath that you created by your sin that was coming for you, uh, being satisfied by Jesus on the cross and what he did. So you have now been justified. Uh, I learned when I was a kid, it's just if I'd never sinned. Mm-hmm. And I never forget, like I say that, it sounds kind of corny, but it's a good way to remember it. Like when God looks at me because of what Jesus did on the cross on my behalf and because I followed Jesus, it's just if I'd never sinned because he sees Jesus' righteousness. So that's the first step is justification. But then, you know, many people think that justification, or they might not use that word, but salvation or coming into a relationship with Jesus, that's the end of the road. You know, like, oh, I've arrived. In fact, you've arrived at the starting line. You haven't arrived at the finish line. Right. And so the idea is, is when you, whether you're 70 or you're seven, when you come into a relationship with Jesus, now you're in this process called sanctification. And that simply is from the time you come to know Jesus, from the time you're justified, by Jesus and what he did on the cross until the time you leave this earth you're in this process called sanctification which simply is you're becoming more holy and more godly on a daily basis that God not because of what you've done not because of behavior modification or anything that you can do but God is working in you the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is working in you to make you look more and more like Jesus every single day mm-hmm. And so that's the process. And so the thing is, like, I don't care if you've been a Christian five years or you've been a Christian 55 years or 105 years, you're still in that process until you leave the earth. Yep. You still have things to learn. You still have things that need refined in you. And so there's a couple of ways. We talked yesterday about um, a potter's wheel and mm-hmm. a potter. And I love that illustration that he gave. Um this is in a separate meeting, by yeah, the way. Yeah, separate meeting. <laughs> the potter, you know, the potter is, he molds the outside, but then he's got to get all the junk out of the inside. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot, like, Christ redeems us, but there's still a lot of junk on the inside. Mm-hmm. There's junk in the trunk, if you will. And so we, he, he is the one that has to pull that out of us from the inside out. And so that's what that process of sanctification is. Yeah. It's making us holy and working on us to make us look more like Jesus. Yeah. About how long is that process? Would you say three to five years? Yeah, I mean, three months you should look just like Jesus okay. after, you come right. to, after you come to know him. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you this. Like, the disciples, they were with him three and a half years, and they got to walk with him. They ate with him. Can you imagine having every meal with Jesus, like, at the table? Like, I know Jesus is everywhere, and I, I'm talking about yeah, physically. Like physically, like I'm talking God about physically. In front of you, you ask him any question, display. and he can answer it right there. Mm-hmm. Physically, like they had that front row seat, and yet three and a half years, at the end of his time on earth, they still scattered. Mm-hmm. John was the only one at the cross because they were all scared. They were all pansies when it came to, you know, the cross and the crucifixion and all that. So. Um, no, it's a lifelong process. You never get there. You never arrive. That's why we run the race. We run the race, Paul says, we run the race to win. And so that means, like, <clears throat> I've got a video of my daughter running hurdles. Did I show you that video? I need to show you that video. I don't think so. 
So I've got a daughter. Is she uh, going da- to Chinese I've hurdles got, and just start? No, no, it's even over. better than that. I'll show it to you. Uh, okay. I'll explain it now, but I'll show it to you. It's it's, right. it's uh it's something. So she runs hurdles, uh, the three hundred hurdles, and in one of her races this year, she just decided that, you know what, I'm tired. I don't want to jump that last hurdle. So she literally steps over it, walks up to the hurdle and steps over it, and then goes to the finish line. And that's not running to win. All right, that's not running. That's not what Paul said. To be fair, 300 hurdles is a brutal race. No, I, I ran it all I, through high I'm school. Not, it's it's brutal. I'm not going to run the hundred hurdles. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's a brutal race for me. Uh, but the the point is, is that when we run the race, it's not like we get to a point where we're like, oh, we've been in this 50 years. Time to slow down. No, we run to win until we meet God mm-hmm. in heaven one day. And yeah. so we are going full force in pressing into him and getting to know him and getting to know the word until we leave. And, and that's just how it is. So that's sanctification. It's a, it's a lifelong process. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, in your sermon, right at the kind of the very beginning, one of this little diatribe about worship yeah. and, uh, and what it is. What are a few of the main things that you see? Well, did people... you say diatribe? Did yeah. you say it was a diatribe? Yeah. Mm. I don't know what that means, but I've heard you say it before. Mm. So I threw it out there. Wow. I'm okay. learning. What does it mean? What is diatribe? What is a diatribe? Yeah. I'm not really sure. No, I'm perfect. Yeah. Anyways. It's, you it's like a soapbox. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. So you're saying I got on a soapbox about worship? Pretty much, yeah. Just for a short time. Mm. Okay. Anyways, that was first quarter. Uh, anyways, warmed up then. Yeah. What are some of the main things that you see people worshiping during the week? I, we're trying to keep this to twenty minutes, right? Yep. So I said just right? a few, just a few. Not a lot. Not a, not a <clears throat> comprehensive list. Oh my gosh. Just some yeah. of the main things. Some some of the big things that just really uh, capture our worship. Man, uh, in America, it's probably gonna be different than other places in the world. Mm-hmm. But we live in America, mm-hmm. so materialism is huge. Mm-hmm. Like we, we try. You know, the American dream. We worship the American dream. That's probably the best way to say it. <clears throat> and that's uh, we're gonna have two kids, we're gonna have a picket fence, we're gonna have a house, we're gonna have toys. You know, and uh, we chase after those things. And the problem with those things is not those problem. The problems don't come from the things themselves. The problem comes that when we get so many of those things, we now have to feel like we have to devote our attention to those things. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, for example, you get a a boat, you know, a nice boat. Uh, I, well, let me give you some another one. That I thought I've it was seen. in that category for a minute. What's that? I said I thought it was in that category for a minute. No, I said nice boat. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's, let, let me give you another one I've seen over and over again. And this is just one example. Remember, this isn't the only thing you can worship. I'll give you a couple other ones. But, mm-hmm. like, materialism, I've seen it before where people are like, oh, I'm going to get a camper. Let's get this camper. It's going to be great. We're going to go camping. It's going to be fun. And, man, all those things sound fun. Camping is fun, right? Driving your camper to a state park is fun. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things to do. And you get away and get to nature and all those things. But the problem is, is most of the people I see that do that, that are in the church, they have this camper, but they work Monday through Friday. You get off at 5 o'clock Friday. Very few people I've ever known are going to go and they're going to take their camper on Friday evening, go haul it somewhere, 
set it up because it's not the easiest to set up. Mm-hmm. Set it up, spend the night, and then about four o'clock Saturday afternoon, hey, we got to get back to church for Sunday, so let's let's pack her up. No, usually they're going to go and they're going to stay till Sunday afternoon to make it worthwhile. Mm-hmm. So what happens? And they have a good time and they enjoy. They it. have a great time, and so then what happens the next weekend? Man, that was let's so much it fun. Again. Let's do it again, and they can start to worship the things that God mm-hmm. has given us to enjoy. And the wealth that God has given us to use for others and also for our enjoyment. I mean, let's just face it. Americans are wealthy, mm-hmm. and we enjoy life partially because we're wealthy, because we have the means to do things, to go places. Uh, but uh, those things are meant for our enjoyment, but not to the exclusivity of God. And so they become objects of worship. Um, another huge one in our culture, sports. Like, it's a huge, huge object of worship. Like there is this idea now that I'm going to spend all my money and all my time and all my resources and all my talent on getting my kid a college scholarship. Like I saw a, a, a study that, that was done just that just put out the other day, and I don't remember all the numbers, but it was something like it was something like parents spend like ten percent of their discretionary income on sports for their kids. Um, and, you know, when you think about it that way, what are you worshiping? Well, you know, where are you, where are you, okay, here's a great, here's a great question. Instead of us naming a bunch of things, because mm-hmm. I think it's, it's easy to get on those mm-hmm. little rabbit trails. Let me just ask a few questions, probing questions, and this will tell you what, what you worship. Right? There you go. Uh, where are you spending your time? Mm-hmm. Where are you spending your money? And where are your thoughts? And those three things will tell you, like, where you spend the most amount of your time thinking, what do you think about, what are your dreams, you know, is your dream that you're going to get to go play golf this weekend, or you're going to get to go, um, you know, that your dream that your kid's going to have a college scholarship, what's your dream, what are you spending your money on, and where do you spend your time? Mm-hmm. And those three, those three things right there, if you really sit down, because I think most people don't understand, I think it creeps up on them. Yeah. Life gets busy, they fill their calendars. They don't know where their time's going. Yep. But if, and they don't really even don't, know where their money's going. They don't even it, yeah. know where their money's going. Just $100 yeah. here, $100 there, $50 here, $50 there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were in a membership class at Great Hills, I had uh, the guy that led that was the administrator at the church. And uh, he was also the missions pastor. And I'll never forget what he said. I didn't remember a whole lot about what he said in that membership class. It was a four-week class during Sunday school hour. You went. After you did that, you could, you could be a member. Mm-hmm. But he talked about one day our finances. He was talking about finances and giving to the church. And, and he said this. He said, he said, now he's a guy about like you, real skinny, older but real skinny, mm-hmm. looked in shape. He said, man, he said, every day for like three years of my life, I would stop in a convenience store and get a pack of regular M&Ms. Every day. Regular M&Ms. He said, then I had somebody tell me, like, what, ask me, what is that costing you? So he figured it up, and he was spending like $58 a month on M&M's. Wow. He didn't know it because he was spending like, what, $1.50 a day, $2 a day, $1.89 a day? Mm-hmm. But he didn't even understand because it was just, yeah, and so didn't think about sit it. down and figure out where are you spending your money. Mm-hmm. That'll tell you what you worship. Yeah. I promise you. Schedule your day where out. Where your Something treasure that I was, is. I was taught in college by one of my professors, like, <clears throat> schedule your day out. Not for you to accomplish it, but as you do it. Yeah. 
Like during this hour, what did I do? Like mm-hmm. Looking back on the day, schedule it out. And then look at your day. See how much time you spent doing what? Doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. And it'll really so what, what you find bring when a you lot do of that, stuff to light. What you find when you do that, especially in the day of technology, mm-hmm. especially in the day of iPhones and Facebook and social media, mm-hmm. you know what I've found? Because I still do that from time to time. Yeah. You know what I find? A lot of wasted time. Yeah. And, and the irony there is, and I know we're kind of getting off into a tangent, but it's a good yeah. talk. Mm-hmm. The irony is, is that most people, if you say, well, why don't you read your Bible? Why don't you pray? Why, why don't you come to church? Like we heard it just a couple weeks ago, talking to a guy about coming to church. Man, my problem is time. Mm-hmm. My problem is time. Don't have time. Don't have time. And, and so if you do that, what you find is, is that you have a lot of time. You just waste it. Mm-hmm. We are really good at wasting time and not even knowing it. Right. Do you know if you go to a casino, any casino, anywhere in the country, do you realize they don't have clocks in there? Really? They do not have clocks in there. There you go. Why? Because you don't see a clock. You sit there all day long. All day long. Mm-hmm. Feeding that thing money. Yep. So we worship a lot of things. We've just got to know what we worship. And like I said Sunday, everybody's a worshiper, and we worship. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. We're worshipers. Mm-hmm. The question is not, are you going to worship? The question is, what, what are you going to worship? What are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? Yep. Yeah, because you are worshiping something. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. And there's a lot out there, right? The world <clears throat> offers a lot. A lot of good things. Some things are good. Just Most things are good. They're not ultimate. Sports yeah. are good. Mm-hmm. RVs are good. Mm-hmm. Boats are good. Boats are great. You know, boats are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, fishing's good. Golfing's good. I mean, those things are all good things that God gave us to enjoy. Mm-hmm. But when we set them up as the priority of our life, then we have an issue. Yep. And God has an issue with us. Yep. So how do we know that Jesus is better than all those things? How do you know it? Yeah. You have to experience it. Yeah. Now, I can tell you that all day long. Right? I can tell you that. Mm-hmm. But until you experience it, right? For one, you gotta experience it. But you gotta know him. Mm-hmm. That's how you experience him. Yep. You know, um, I said Sunday, I, I don't know, remember exactly, it was off notes. And, you know, when we go into sixth quarter, like half of it's like off notes. Um, but there's a lot of people in church today that know about Jesus, but they don't know Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's the scariest thing as a pastor. Yeah. Is knowing that there are people out there who generally in their head, they love the idea of Jesus, but they don't love Jesus because they've never devoted anything to him. They've never devoted their life to him. They've never said, I'm going to follow him with all that I have, and I'm going to surrender everything I want. And um, that's a scary place because it leads you to this place of, like, I'm good with God. Well, the Bible will teach you something Mm -hmm. different. You know, The Bible will teach you that you're not good with God Mm -hmm. until you've experienced a relationship with Jesus. Not that you've known about him, but that you've experienced a relationship with him. And once you experience that relationship with him, and once you see how good he is and you, you understand that, and I'm still learning that, you know, that's that po- process of sanctification. Mm-hmm. Like, why are there times where I still slip back into sin? Why are there times when I, when my worship falters and I start to worship other things? Now, albeit temporary sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like a month long thing, but why do I sin? I mean, sin really is, is us not acknowledging that Jesus is better. Yeah. Yeah. In its simplest form. Mm-hmm. The pleasures of this world, uh, the the desires of our heart, apart from Jesus, we feel like those are better than Jesus, and that leads us to sin. Yep, pretty simple. 
And so when you when you have that relationship with him, when you get to spend time with him, and you get to know him, and you know who he is, um, you quickly realize how good he is, and that he's better. Um, mm-hmm. But again, sanctification doesn't mean you're perfect, because if we were perfect, Jesus is better. I'm never going into anything else. Yeah, and it's just done. You yeah. might switch, but that's not how it works. So no. we have to constantly remind ourselves of that as well. Every day. Every hour. What was that? Um, as Brother Lawrence would say, every minute. Every minute. Um, I think I've mentioned his book before. Maybe not a reload, but in sermons. Yeah. Practicing the presence of God. Yeah. But um, I had something on, on, my, on my tip of my tongue, but I forgot it. So probably wasn't important. Probably not. Probably going to take us into fifth quarter. And You're reload, welcome. Reload fifth quarter. So. <laughs> is what anyway, is. yeah. You got anything else to add? Man, I think I think that's all I have to add. All I, all I would add is is that, like, how stupid of us to go back into slavery when we've been set free. Yeah, freedom's not found in sin. Freedom's not found in the way we want to do things. Freedom, true freedom, is found in Christ when we are living for Him and living in lockstep with what He wants for our life. That's true freedom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can honestly say there have been some very tough things that that I've had to do that I felt like God was calling me to do, but I still felt like in the tough times and doing the tough things, mm-hmm. there was freedom in that. Yeah. And I can't explain that other than you have to experience it. Like mm-hmm. I can, if you come to the Bible and say, the Bible is a set of rules that are going to keep me from having fun, then you will never experience freedom in Christ yeah. because you're going to have that outlook, that negative outlook. But when you come to him and say, you know what? Christ has freed me from the bondage of sin. Um, and you realize that, and then you experience that, you're like, okay, I don't want to go back. And that's why you feel guilty, and it's not even really a guilt anymore. Like, I, I don't know that I feel guilt anymore, mm-hmm. like, because I've done wrong. I think I feel guilt because I'm like, man, I know how good I had it with Jesus, yeah. and now I know where I'm at. I need to get back there, mm-hmm. right? It's not like, oh, I'm sorry. I, gosh, I can't believe I got caught. Yeah, It's not that kind of guilt anymore. Yeah, It's like, man, why? And most of the time in my sin now, it's not even guilt so much. It's like, you big dummy. Like, you know better. Like what Paul would say. Mm-hmm. The things I want to do, I can't seem to do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing all the time. Yep. And I don't understand it. Well, that's because you're still in the process of sanctification. Yep. You're not perfect. And if Paul so, dealt with it, we're definitely dealing with it. You can imagine that you are not exempt from that. Yeah. For no sure. matter how old you are, no matter how long you've been following Jesus, there's still room <clears throat> Uh, absolutely to become more like jesus absolutely so yeah so go and have a great week and continue your process of sanctification if you have any more questions on sanctification see les klutz uh he will gladly he will gladly talk to you about that he will go in the fifth quarter about sanctification i'm pretty sure so yeah but it is i mean what he kind of goes back to like it is it's it's the most important thing you know i mean it's it's us becoming more like jesus like why would we not want to do that you know but so often we get sidetracked by the things of this world. So don't get sidetracked this week. List out your, your week and look at your bank account and see where you're spending money, see where you're spending your time. Think about where your thoughts are and focus it on Jesus. We'll see you all later. Bye.